Today, I'm joined by Martin Van Horenbeek, who is the Chief Information Security Officer at Zendesk. Martin has more than 15 years of experience managing security organizations, which include building cybersecurity threat intelligence team at Amazon, working at the security teams at Google and Microsoft. He is also the former board member and chairman of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams, also known as FIRST. I got the first know Martin when he was the chairman of FIRST, and I'm excited to have him on the show today. How are you today, Martin? Very good, Gene. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, fantastic. We just mentioned in the, uh, the prep here that uh, it's the week after RSA. How did you think the show went? I think it was very good, actually. It was uh, very nice to see people again after two years. I think everyone was a little bit hesitant because of uh, COVID, just uh, trying to be safe while we were all attending. But it was just great to see people again. And there's just certain things that are a little bit more difficult to do when we're not physically together. So um, especially brainstorming was something that I really enjoyed in the last week. Yeah, I agree. It was nice to be back in person. And for the listeners that are new to cybersecurity, the RSA conference is one of the biggest conferences for cybersecurity. There's also Black Hat and DEF CON, which are other shows to be checked out. But it was nice. My daughters and I were in uh, Europe the week before in Dublin and Rome and Florence. And I was flying back and they asked me if I was excited to go to the conference. And I said, well, it's kind of like going back to college. You've been doing it for a long time like myself. So it's nice to see so many people. And you know, you being a part of FIRST connects you to even more people. So I'm sure you were very busy over the, the week. Yeah, very much. Um, lots of people that I hadn't seen that was, were great to connect with. Yeah, fantastic. Well, great. Well, maybe we can jump into the questions, Martin, and uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your current role. And I know Zendesk and most of our listeners will be familiar with Zendesk, but maybe you can just tell us a little bit about Zendesk for the people that are new to cybersecurity. Yeah, happy to. So as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Information Security Officer at Zendesk. And Zendesk is really a customer relationship management software company that really puts service first. So we have our roots very deeply ingrained in customer support. And we're very often the product that is sort of in between you and any corporation that you deal with when you have a support inquiry or you have a problem with a product, you need to get some help with it. So that's really what we do as a company. We have about a little shy of 6,000 employees around the world, and our headquarters is in San Francisco, but we're truly global. So even the security team, for instance, we find ourselves with um, pretty big offices in Melbourne, Singapore, um, Dublin, Madison, Wisconsin, San Francisco, and we have a few people in other places as well, for instance, Krakow. And today we're definitely um, a very, very remote and digital first team. So really, we're now a little bit all over the globe, also as a security organization. And my role at Zendesk is to lead a 120-person security team that protects the data that we hold on behalf of our customers, also make sure that our corporate systems are well-protected and secure. And overall, we want to make sure that we build a trustworthy product. Oh, well, that's awesome. And we're a happy Zendesk customer. Again, for those that are new to the industry, Zendesk, a very successful software company and a product that uh, as people get into any level of IT, your chances of running into Zendesk are pretty high. Uh, the company's done a fantastic job of making themselves very important in many, many, many organizations. So thank you uh, for building some great products and equally thank you for protecting some uh, critical data for all customers. Uh, we put some interesting stuff in there. So no PII, but important stuff that goes in there. So thank, thank you. you for doing that. So Martin, how did you get involved in cybersecurity? 
Uh, that's actually a long story, and it may sound a little bit unusual, but for me, the way that I got into security was actually by seeing two movies that really influenced me as a child. I remember very well at a certain point in time in my youth, uh, my mother, who was a teacher, came home from school and she said, and I lived in Belgium at the time, she said to me, kids, I have seen a movie that is going to change the world and I hope one day you get to see it as well. And a few years later, that movie was actually on TV and she was very excited and she wanted us to see it. And that movie was War Games, mm -hmm. uh, which you may remember, Dean, mm -hmm. it was a really good movie in the early 80s yes. um, about a, a boy who was trying to break into a computer game company and accidentally broke into the system called the Whopper, which actually was uh, part of the, the nuclear missile program. Actually a very dark movie when I think about it today. But I saw that one and I, I remember thinking like, wow, there's a whole world out there that I actually do not understand. And then in my mid-teens, there was another movie that came out, which was called Sneakers. Also a fantastic film about a few people who kind of made it their jobs to break into banks um, and show the security weaknesses of those systems. And I think seeing those two really inspired me that this was something that I wanted to do in, in my life because I just thought it was very interesting that there was this world out there where technology was being used in ways that we didn't expect it was going to be used. And so when I saw them, I, I ended up reading a lot of books at the time. And when I think back to it, and I definitely didn't plan it as such, the books that I read were sort of two different types. Some were stories about hacking and stories about security. So I think the typical one there is uh, Clifford Stoll, The Cuckoo's Egg, which a lot of people in the industry know. But I also read a lot of books in, in Dutch, which is my, uh, my um, uh, maternal language about the KS Computer Club in Germany and, and all of the things that happened there in the 80s. Um, and I found that just to be fascinating. And in the other books I read were more technical books to actually teach me something about computers that I didn't know yet. And I think the stories kind of kept my motivation going and kept me very interested. Whereas these technical books then allowed me to learn things that otherwise I wouldn't really learn. And so from that, I ended up going into an internship when I came out of uh, um, high school. And as part of that internship, I had to build a protocol for setting up new servers. And I was very geeky about security at the time. So I went very deep in like, how do I harden these systems? And I actually like wrote manuals that I posted as sort of a, a high schooler, just about going to university that talked about how to harden these server systems. And I really just loved doing that. And that then ended me in my first uh, role at uh, a company called Ubisoft. It's no longer around. It was uh, acquired and then finally ended up under Verizon Business uh, today. It's one of their business units, no longer under that name. And I just had the most wonderful experience there because I started honestly with very little education in the field. Uh, I never actually finished that college degree that I started, but they gave me opportunities to do some things that I just hadn't been able to do before. Like they gave me a firewall one day and said, Martin, figure out how this works and configure it. And so I, I actually got some time to figure that out. And I learned a lot from that very first role and actually stayed at that company for uh, about eight years. I did go back to school afterwards and did get a degree in information security. I think degrees can be very helpful and very useful, but definitely I think that starting at Ubisoft for me was sort of like the opportunity to break into the cybersecurity field. That's awesome. So uh, just a natural level of curiosity, uh, the learned aspect of you taking it upon yourself to have a lot of initiative and then 
when opportunities are put in front of you, just taking advantage of them and uh, really you know, flourishing through that aspect of it. That's absolutely wonderful. You told me a little bit uh, previously about storytelling and, and that being kind of one of your career, one of the, the success factors for you in terms of being a, a successful CISO. Can you, can you elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah, happy to. So for me, storytelling is a really important part of my career. And it's not just because of the fact that I rolled into security due to storytelling and really good storytelling. But it also really relates to the fact that I, um, when I worked for that company, Ubisoft, that I mentioned, the last few years I was there, I was a professional services consultant. So I helped customers with security issues. And one of the things I spent a lot of time on was uh, forensics and incident response. And what I discovered in that role was that when security professionals talk about incidents, we use the technology as a guide, but we never talk about data points in technology. We talk about how they fit together and we talk about the narrative that they actually tell us about what is happening. So I think that made me realize that when I talk to leaders about security issues, it was a lot easier for me to get my point across when I had a, a well-fitting together story rather than when I just gave them data points. And so um, I started thinking about that more and more throughout my career. And I kind of realized that when you think of a story, like a story has some basic elements. It has characters, it has a setting, it has a plot, it has some conflict, something that's going wrong, and finally it has a resolution. And a lot of what we do in security really fits into that very same frame of mind. The only interesting thing is that often the characters are us. Like we have to deal with some of these outcomes. And so I found that when I took a security problem, I turned it into a story or a narrative, as I more often call it. It's much easier for people to understand. It's much easier for them to actually engage with me. And where I've applied that the most in the last few years for me has actually been my work with the board. Because uh, when I meet with our board and I work with them on sometimes really tough security challenges and problems, they don't always have the same background that I have. And so I have to start with something where I can actually explain what is happening, where we're going, and what the steps are that we are taking. And so having those really almost storyboarded out is really important to me because it's one way that I connect with people that may not have that very same security background. When I meet with an engineer on my team, for instance, I often don't need to set the scene for everything that we want to talk about. We can delve straight into one particular problem. But when I meet with the board or when I meet with uh, other leaders within the company, I really, really do have to do that. And I also will say I was lucky that the storytelling for me came back in my career at one point in time in, in a way that was actually very natural. So I worked for Amazon for a little bit of time. And Amazon didn't really use slide decks. Uh, any other company I've worked at, slide decks are the way to tell a story. But Amazon worked much more with narratives. They have a two-pager, they have a six-pager. And when you really want to get a point across, you have to write it out. For me, this has always come natural because I, I love writing. Like uh, when I was a, a young child, I actually wrote a lot of stories. So I just kind of like kept on doing that in my career. And I find that very, very valuable and, and fun because... I find that it's very difficult to write a story about something you don't understand. So stories really require research, whereas I have actually seen and perhaps even presented slides on something that I didn't fully understood, understand. <laughs> and so it makes it a lot harder for a slide deck to really paint that picture, whereas something that you write down really can, can help do that. And so I always work from the model, what is read can never be unread. 
So when I have a point I want to get across, even if I know it's not going to be very popular, I will actually write it down and I will have people read through it, uh, which brings other challenges. Like you can't make it too long. It has to be something they can consume within the time that they have. But even if the storyline isn't something that people necessarily want to hear, once they've read it, they will actually keep it in mind the next time they are thinking to the problem again. And so I think it's a great education opportunity and, uh, and learning opportunity in a way. Yeah, I think well said, Martin. And I think about from my perspective, even talking to investors, if I tell them about oh, the WAF and bot, da, 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 they, they don't know what that is. If I tell them a story of a customer, here's, here's what they looked like before. Here's the pain they experienced. Here's the solution. Here's how we solve the problem. Those things resonate day in and day out. So I, I, we hear storytelling as one of the keys success in cybersecurity over and over again on this podcast. And it's just great. You had quite an interesting perspective on it in terms of writing it down. Uh, But I do think it's one of the keys to helping those that are listening, that are thinking about not just getting in, but that are in and want to progress to the likes of being a CISO at a company like Zendesk. You do have to think about it. We're so comfortable with the technology. We're so comfortable talking with each other about the technology and we can speeds and feeds and we we all know that the conversation, we know what the pain points are, but to take that and talk to somebody who's equally as important, like a board member, you've got to give them the story and, uh, you know, the plot line and, and, uh, and you always have to tell them how the, how it has a happy ending at the end, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. for sure. Can you share some ways that you stay informed and educated in cybersecurity or are there social feeds or podcasts yeah. or publications that you rely on? Personally, I don't really listen to a lot of podcasts, but I will tell you, I have started really appreciating the amount of information that actually is shared in those podcasts. So yours comes to mind. There's a few out there in the industry that are just really, really good and really useful, and you can learn a lot from them. So I think podcasts are a great place to start, and it's a great place to find some of that knowledge and those like regular updates on on how people are approaching challenges. What I find most interesting for me is uh, I learned a little bit over time that to me, the most interesting people to learn from are not always the loudest. And that's actually a little bit difficult today because if you go on, let's say, Twitter and you look for information security, there's lots of people there, lots of opinions, really good opinions, but they don't always come from the places where you kind of expect them to come from. So what I really do with these social media networks like Twitter, like LinkedIn, is I look for some people that I really, really value so that I know have done really interesting and valuable work that I could learn a lot from. And I go and follow those on social media. And even though they might not share something every day, so they might not be the loudest person to follow, when they share something, there's usually nuggets of really, really interesting wisdom in there. And I've actually been lucky from my perspective that I think I've had some of those managers in the past that I really, really value and appreciate. So I go look for people that I learned a lot from or think have really, really good ideas and perspectives, and I go follow them. Second, I would also say that now today as a CISO, I really no longer see it as my job as being the expert on everything new that happens. I think earlier on in your career, you kind of want to do that, like you want to be up to speed on everything. But cybersecurity is getting such a big field that even early on, like you can't follow everything. Like when I got started, I think it was actually very easy to keep track of everything because it was like papers. People wrote papers, they published them. I would go and download them. I would go and read them. With social media, you almost 
run the risk of sort of being distracted by everything and never really understanding anything in detail. So what, as a CISO, I try to do now is actually to leverage my team for this. So at Zendesk, we have built a threat intelligence team whose role it is to actually look out to the world, identify new threats that might actually impair some of the defenses that we have put in place and get ahead of them, like really understanding what are they and are the, the different controls that we have in place good enough. But also in addition to that, we actually crowdsource it a little bit from the team. So uh, that threat intelligence team at one point in time was smart enough to start a Slack channel where everyone on the team shares whatever they see that they think might be interesting. And they see it as their role to just look at it and see, is this something we should actually be looking at in more detail? And so I actually leverage that channel to learn from my team a lot. And if you're working in a team or you're joining a security team where that exists, um, I would highly recommend taking advantage of that. And then finally, and this probably does reveal a little bit, I'm kind of a long form reader, like I, I like reading longer papers. Um, but one thing I would really recommend is to look for frameworks. In cybersecurity, there are always really smart people who are trying to integrate all the new learnings into a way of solving a problem. And they publish that often as frameworks. So for instance, as a CISO, one thing I really love to use when I tell stories about security is the NIST cybersecurity framework, uh, because it really provides this very comprehensive picture of like, what is it that um, security teams are actually expected to do? Uh, there's really good guidance by MITRE on how to run security operations centers uh, that was actually just refreshed, which is very interesting to read. There's some think tanks like the, the RAND Institute that have published interesting papers about cybersecurity. And then there's free documentation from organizations like the Forum of Incident Response and security teams that, that give more guidance on what product security and computer security incident response teams are really doing. So look for places where smart people have looked at everything and try to put it together and realize none of this is perfect, but it's all great to give you sort of a, a little bit of background and understanding of what's actually happening in these different communities and what some of the skills are that you could be looking for and growing into. That's great advice there. When you're looking to hire entry-level people at Zendesk, what skills, traits, or experiences are you looking for? Yeah, this is a good one because it's very difficult for me to, to really answer this simply because I feel like what I brought to the table early on in my career is different than what I go look for today. I want to be fair, like from my perspective, when I started out, what really helped me get into roles was actually technical knowledge. And it was doing a lot of things to learn about the technology and how to use it. And the reason why I want to be cautious with this is because that's very easy to do when you're like 20 something and you have lots of spare time on your hands, but not everyone has that opportunity and it's unreasonable to expect everyone to do that. So what I really look for today in terms of the skills that I'd like an entry level uh, cybersecurity person to have is two things. The first one is the ability to communicate clearly and with empathy. And the second one is curiosity. That communicating clearly and with empathy thing is interesting because it is actually something you build over your career because everyone starts off a little bit more confident and then you realize that there's actually a lot you don't know. And then you learn those things and then you realize that the world is actually filled with grace and not with black and whites. So I find that to be 
something where I don't look for perfection at all. I just look for some indications that the individual has the ability to really clearly get a point across, but also listen with empathy on where I'm coming from. Like it's very, very easy to think when you're meeting with a sales leader that that sales leader is going to be laser focused on revenue. But what you don't know is actually all of the encounters that sales leader has had with customers that have had issues with the product. And they're going to be very sensitive to preventing that from happening again in the future. So go beyond those basic assumptions that people think a certain way because they're wrong and really ask some questions and try to understand where they're coming from. And honestly, like expect your leaders to do the same. Like I would want my leader to understand like where I'm coming from as well. And then the second thing, curiosity, I think that actually comes a little bit with the first one, but curiosity for me is all about like asking questions and understanding like why a certain thing is happening. When I meet with people on my team and they ask me questions, what I actually find is they never ask me about anything like, Martin, why did you make this decision? But they will ask me like, why did you prioritize something? Why did you decide this was important and this one wasn't important? And I think those are the things that we all want to learn about each other because then we can work together a lot more, um, more effectively. So I think for me, like those interpersonal people skills are critical to being successful in security, regardless of what role you do. And I am still always impressed with people who are really curious and excited about the technology because I really value that because I, I think it's difficult to work on technology when you don't really understand or have a, a bit of a background in that technology. But I think those are things that are easier to learn than those uh, interpersonal skills. So I would recommend anyone to spend time really honing those interpersonal skills, bringing those to an interview, and then really look at the technology and the things that you actually enjoy doing uh, when you end up in cybersecurity, because it's not like there's one role. That may have been the case when I started, it was sort of starting to split out a little bit, but I think today there's many different opportunities, many different technical skills you can learn, but all of them are going to benefit from having those interpersonal skills. Well said. I totally agree with you on that. And again, curiosity is another one of those things that you can't teach somebody, uh, but we hear it over and over again from successful CISOs like yourself that they had it in their own kind of who they are and they look for that in, in the teams they build because if you have that, it's so much easier to work with each other, to find solutions to problems because everybody's just constantly pushing to think about things differently. And when we have an adversary that's equally uh, curious you know, and equally inventive, we have to be able to have those skills on our team. So that, that's yeah. great. So last question, Martin, can an organization like FIRST, which is the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams, help people enter the field of cybersecurity? Yeah, I think there's two answers to that. The first one is, Absolutely. I think any industry association needs to be focused on creating skills and building opportunities for people to enter the cybersecurity field. Otherwise, we're not really doing our job. So I think first, like any other um, industry association, uh, really needs to be focused on, on doing those things. And it's really great to see in the last few years that they've invested in a number of different programs uh, to make that happen. They've published a lot of documents, which for me are also really valuable because I often point newer employees to those so they can learn a little bit about what do these things look like in, uh, in other companies. The second thing though, from my perspective, is these organizations are also an opportunity for someone just starting out to really build their career. 
when I got involved with FIRST was when I actually started working for uh, Microsoft and I worked on the product security incident response team. We were the people that released the uh, security updates every second Tuesday of the month. And when I was there, I was added to the FIRST mailing list because Microsoft was a FIRST member. And so a lot of people within the security team actually had access to like the conversations that were happening within FIRST and the discussions. And one thing that I took away from that, and that's now over 10 years ago, actually, yeah, that that happened to me maybe 12 years ago, I found that engaging with people outside of my own company on the same problems that we have has both been incredibly uh, good for my own mind to sort of develop and my own thoughts to develop on how to do things. And I think it has also typically been very good for my employers. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Uh, within security, historically, I think we had a very closed mentality, as in, we don't talk about what we're doing, we will solve the problems in-house, we will hire the right people, and we can deal with this. And the reality is that's actually not how security works, uh, in a sense that, like you said, we have adversaries, and those adversaries are sharing all the time. And they're figuring out what works, and they will share it with each other, and then suddenly it becomes your problem. And the only way we as defenders can actually be successful is if we all collaborate and we share with each other what has worked, but really importantly, we also share what has not worked. I often get into trouble with this when I'm in meetings uh, that are sort of industry meetings, because I actually really like to talk about failure. And I think it's very important we talk about failure because when we just share the things that worked, it isn't necessarily going to work for someone else. Like those other people, those other teams need to understand the full context. So it's only when we share the things that have worked for us and the things that haven't worked that we can actually grow as an industry and grow as a community. And you can talk pretty big ideas about that, like, for instance, having something like a transportation safety board, but have it for cybersecurity. But really, we all are a part of this and we can make this happen by actually engaging with each other. And there are always things as security teams that we cannot share publicly. But there are very few things that we can't share with peers that are in the same situation. Because in the end, security teams shouldn't think of themselves as competing with other security teams or product companies aren't competing on making a secure product. We're all really working together to try and make this new idea of the cloud actually something that is safe and secure for everyone. So we can use it as much as possible and we can create benefits for society with it. So um, I think it's really important that when you're in a company that participates in these forums, whether it's FIRST or whether it's an information sharing and analysis center, or whether it's an open group like a Slack channel, or it's uh, the Cloud Security Alliance, all of these organizations give opportunities for people to actually contribute. And I think it's a really good idea to push with your own leadership to engage in these forums and have them nominate you, for instance, to participate and to contribute to a working group, because then we can actually make it better for everyone. So yes, I think these organizations can both do a lot for people that are starting out in the industry, but I also think they're great opportunities for us because these organizations and having been, um, as you said, the, the president of the first for a couple of years, one thing I learned is it is all driven by people stepping up and doing something or giving an idea forward. Uh, it's not like the organization actually can do things for you. It's like people coming together and make it happen. And the organization, for me, is a pathway to, to leading to those results and outcomes. Yeah, no, well said. And I, I think the whole discussion of giving versus receiving information in cybersecurity is an interesting one. Having come from a 
early stages of the SOAR, uh, the incident response area, area and building that technology. When we would talk with customers, hey, would you be interested in seeing what your peers are doing? Yes. Would you share your own information in that same information? Well, no, no, we don't want to share, but we want, we want to voyeuristically, we want to know what's going on in other. But to your point, when you can get to past that, it's so critical to be able to share that information. And say, there's reasons why people can't just share it because it can't, you know, it publicly can hurt the company and it shouldn't. But finding safe places to be able to share that information is absolutely critical in helping us all collectively, as you said perfectly, you know, make the cloud a safe place where we can all do business. Absolutely. And I do want to acknowledge, like, I was very lucky to be at a few security teams that were very open-minded when it came to this. And I think that's not always the case. And so it can be really challenging when you start out to engage at that, like, industry level. Um, But I do think we should all push for it and try to find examples of why it worked and share those with our leadership so we can actually, like, create opportunities uh, for both ourselves and others to participate. And maybe that's actually one area where organizations like FIRST can still step up and and sort of make it clear that there's a lot of value in contributing. It isn't just a cost of a new employee spending some time outside of sort of their day job. It's actually an opportunity to create better security for the companies that they work for. Well, thank you, Martin, for being a guest today. For our listeners, uh, Martin is one of the most humble people, but also one of the smartest people and highly, highly respected in the industry. So just so glad that you took the time today to share some insights. I think there's a lot for people to learn from what you said today. So thank you very much for being a guest. Thank you, Gene. My pleasure being on the podcast with you. 